the Atlanta Falcons will do whatever it takes to sign Jesse Bates in free agency. And that move is going to help unlock Richie Grant's full potential. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the most humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started and guys, we thank you for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, it's free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Falcons on YouTube, and you will get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. And of course, check us out on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV by downloading the Lockdown Sports Atlanta app. So today we are wrapping up the defense in terms of positional reviews, talking about the safety position. We'll talk about Richie Grant and his sort of boom bust sort of play and potential to be unlocked in this uh, Ryan Nielsen led scheme and how getting uh, Jesse Bates to be basically the Marcus Williams in this scheme is going to help unlock Richie Grant's full potential. And we'll talk about why free agency is going to be important and signing players like Jesse Bates is going to be important for this team to uh, get to where they want to get to. Uh, this upcoming season and into the future. But let's start talking about Richie Grant and sort of the inconsistency, the boom bust and charting the defense this past year. Like the thing that kind of perfectly summarizes Richie Grant's kind of, you know, up down nature this past year was when the Falcons played cover two, I charted Richie Grant as the primary defender in coverage in those zone coverages on eight plays this past year on those eight plays, Richie Grant, uh, and the Falcons defense gave up four catches for 141 yards. Two of those plays were successful plays for a success rate of 25%, which is very good for the defense um, to only allow a success rate of 25%. But those two successes were the 60-yard touchdown to Tyler Boyd in the Bengals game where Richie Grant fell down and the 68-yard touchdown to Rashid Shahid in the second Saints game where Richie Grant tried to undercut the route and the ball went over his head. And those, to me, those two plays and sort of looking at those cover two uh, plays sort of perfectly summarize the boom bust nature, like six times Richie Grant and that kind of illustrates, I think this season, Richie Grant did more good than bad, uh, but like six times, Richie Grant did his job uh, and the defense was able to execute. And then there were two times where Richie Grant did a very poor job uh, doing his job. And it led to some gashing plays um, given up by this defense. And, you know, I imagine Richie Grant doing well in this Ryan Nielsen led scheme, which is going to utilize a lot more split safety cover two, middle of the field, open cover four quarters looks than the Falcons have traditionally done. And, We've made the assumption a lot on this last couple of episodes over the last week or two that, you know, Ryan Nielsen is going to port over exactly the scheme that, um, 
you know, Dennis Allen had in New Orleans. And that's probably not a safe assumption. There will probably be some changes, but I do think by and large, that type of scheme will help unlock Richie Grant based off of my charting this past year, uh, when the Falcons were deploying those cover two, cover four, those middle of the field split safety looks when Richie Grant was the primary guy in coverage, the defensive success or the offensive success rate, uh, was only 27%, which is very good. And you can contrast that when Hawkins in those same coverages, that was 77%. And some of that is, you know, the kind of the luck of the draw, some of those incompletions or, or uh, non-successful plays for the offense were due to off-target throws and dropped passes or whatever. So it may be not necessarily a true reflection that Richie Grant is so much better in coverage than Jalen Hawkins. It may just be that Richie Grant is more lucky than good. But it does seem to play to the strength, at least based off of what I charted, where Richie Grant in those middle of the field open, those split safety looks uh, was pretty effective uh, and and less effective when the Falcons played cover three. I believe uh, the number was like 60 percent success rate when he was the primary guy in cover three. And a lot of that is not necessarily playing single high, but also in the flat uh, as the safety is often covering there. But the Falcons play a lot of cover three. Uh, this past year, they were either number one or number two in the NFL in cover three usage this past year. And I believe the Saints were like in the bottom three in cover three usage. And so one of the things that Ryan Nielsen may do differently than Dennis Allen did in New Orleans is, is maybe de- dialing up a little bit more cover three than the Saints were regularly using um, due to, uh, you know, the fact that the Falcons, you know, building off of what Dean P's already established, uh, maybe they're a little bit more comfortable running some of that cover three stuff. But I do think. Based off of my charting last year, again, Richie Gregg is going to be very effective in these split safety looks uh, as a starter. And I think it's going to allow him to be a lot more aggressive, you know, biting down on some of those crossing routes and, and playing the aggressive style of football that we saw, you know, Richie Grant kind of live by the sword, die by the sword at times uh, this year uh, in terms of, you know, the earlier point I made where he, he gave up a couple of big plays there, but also for the most part was pretty effective. And I think that will be able to unlock his potential and allow him to be that much more of a playmaker because he can be aggressive. And especially if you couple that you know, with an upgrade over what Jalen Hawkins is bringing at the other safety spot in those split safety looks and get more of a guy that is a true deep center fielder, post safety, whatever you want to call it, you know, which is in my thought, Jesse Bates, and we'll talk about that uh, as we continue today's episode. But I think having that type of guy that can sort of mask those issues will allow Richie Grant to fully unlock his full potential. And we'll explore that a little bit further when we talk about Jalen Hawkins' 2022 season and what his role moving forward is, what Jesse Bates can bring to the scheme and sort of how the Saints' safeties dynamics have been in recent years. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But to put a final button on Richie Grant, you know, I, I felt like throughout the season, he was much more effective playing closer to the line of scrimmage. And that's what I mean, where I, I feel like he can be kind of the Von Mel. He's not your classic box safety, you know, at 195, 200 pounds or whatever uh, he is. Uh, But I think that he has that aggressive mentality that you want in that guy that can play downhill. Uh, And I think that's going to be something that he can uh, fully uh, uh, unlock in the future. We talked about this a little bit earlier on an earlier episode last month, where it's like the idea of like, it's easier to kind of dial back and hone a, an overly aggressive safety, like a Richie Grant than necessarily asking a guy that's maybe a little bit too passive to rev up. And so I think it's a good problem to have that Richie Grant is maybe a little bit too aggressive. And I think that's something that the Falcons can hone if they add more pieces. And we'll talk more about that as we continue 
today's episode. But let's talk about one of today's sponsors. That is Blue Nile. And with Valentine's Day coming up, you know, romance is in the air. And, you know, I know for some of you guys and, you know, Blue Nile is a great place to find that fine jewelry for any occasion. But I know, especially with Valentine's Day, some of you guys are looking to pop that question. And whether you're looking to do so in the next week or so or later this year or even next year, I can guarantee you one of you guys out here watching or listening to today's episode needs to check out Blue Nile. And, you know, they can get you whatever you want any time of the year, but especially getting that special engagement ring of her dreams with their simple online tools that will allow you to choose the diamond shape, the size, the clarity and setting style. And they have a diamond price guarantee where they can meet or beat the price of any competitor. Every order is insured. It arrives quickly in discreet packaging and won't give away what's inside. Shipping is free and also so are returns. So head on over to Blue Nile right now. Of course, they have a great deal for you in this time of year with Valentine's Day coming up where you can save up to 50% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com for up to 50% off. BlueNile.com. And the only app you guys are going to need for your Super Bowl is FanDuel because I'm excited to talk about Locked On's new sports betting partner, FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. Download FanDuel right now so that you can bet the Super Bowl 57 a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So that's a great opportunity. You know, no sweat first bet, as they say. And of course, you know, bet the Super Bowl where you can get some cool props, right? And you can, you know, combine them for a bigger payout with their same game parlay, you know, Looking at like, you know, Patrick Mahomes' first touchdown pass over 10 and a half yards. Yeah, sure. Let's take the over. I'm looking at the over for A.J. Brown, 72 and a half receiving yards. Over for Travis Kelsey, 79.5 receiving yards. And I feel like that's going to make things a little bit more interesting when I'm watching the big game. And you can do it all on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly so you can flex on everybody Monday morning after you've won on FanDuel. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So I think, you know, with Richie Grant, you know, needing to hone his skills and be a little bit more consistent, but I think he has the capacity to do it. Let's talk about the Falcons' other safety. And to me, the conversation surrounding Jalen Hawkins, who was fine, you know, this past year, is similar to the conversation we had a couple of days ago when we were talking about Michael Walker, where it feels like Jalen Hawkins was a starter at safety this year because the Falcons didn't have better options, right? Not necessarily because Jalen Hawkins was a great option. And I just don't think Jalen Hawkins has the ideal range or physicality to really be a playmaker at that safety position that you're looking for at that position. I think ideally he can go back to being what he kind of was at his best, the peak version of Jalen Hawkins that we saw early in that 2021 season, which was as the third safety. I think that's kind of the ideal role for him. And certainly if the Falcons are able to sign a uh, free agent that can be the starter and relegate Hawkins back to the third safety role, that will be ideal for him. And I think, you know, there's some value in that, especially given one of the conversations we've talked about with the Saints defense over the last couple of seasons, being one of the teams that utilize dime defenses, you know, six defensive backs more than anybody else. And, you know, one version of that is three corners and three safeties. Yesterday, we talked about four corners and, and three safeties um, and, you know, having, you know, A.J. Terrell, whoever takes over for Casey Hayward as that number two corner, 
uh, D. Alford, uh, and Isaiah Oliver as the four sit, uh, corners. But Alf, Oliver's ability to kind of be that hybrid fourth corner, third safety flexibility, you know, makes him ideal in the same role that PJ Williams played uh, for the Saints, being able to play, you know, deep safety, slot corner, outside corner, all that. Oliver has that flexibility. But in the event of an injury to one of your top six uh, defensive backs, and again, Richie Grant and presumably a new starter at free in free agency uh, is the other two safeties in that dime look, you know, you could insert Jalen Hawkins and feel pretty good about that, uh, you know, with your dime defense and, you know, in a world where say Oliver got hurt, right. You know, I think Richie Grant would be an ideal candidate to, to serve that sort of PJ Williams role just because Grant has shown his versatility playing in the slot last year and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, I feel like Hawkins gives you valuable depth off the bench. He gives you special teams value as well. But in order to make this scheme work with the split safety looks that the Saints have heavily utilized over the last couple of years using relatively an equal amount of cover two zone, cover three zone and quarter zone, um, you know, you want to have a safety that can handle those deep responsibilities, right? Um, and, you know, you look at Marcus Williams was primarily that guy for the Saints, you know, from 2017 to 2021 before signing with the Ravens this past year. And, you know, Williams was one of the best, you know, post safeties or center fielding safeties out there in the league, along with guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and Justin Simmons and Quandre Diggs and Jesse Bates. Right. You know, Javon Holland's a, a sort of an up and comer in, in those sort of roles. And you look at PFFs, you know, you know, snap charting. Uh, where they list defensive backs at either lining up at safety, at slot corner, or outside corner. And 85% of Marcus Williams' snaps came lined up as a safety, meaning that he had the, primarily those deep responsibilities, right? And then you contrast that with the other safety that the Saints had in over those five years, Von Bell for the first couple of years, and then Malcolm Jenkins. Those guys consistently only lined up at you know deep at the safety position about 30 to 35% of the time over those five-year period. And you compare that to how the Falcons utilized Grant and Hawkins last year. Grant was lined up deep about 42% of the time, and Hawkins about 61% of the time. So how the Falcons kind of utilized Richie Grant is similar to how the Falcons or how the Saints utilize Von Bell and, and Malcolm Jenkins. And, you know, I think Grant fits more the body type of a Von Bell in terms of similar size rather than a Malcolm Jenkins, but, you know, has that versatility and flexibility to be able to play deep in the slot, all that stuff, uh, as we mentioned earlier. But in order for you to get the most out of that player so that player can, you know, do all the things that he needs to do and be that versatile joker, whatever you want to call it, in the defense, you need to have that deep guy. And Marcus Williams was that guy for the Saints. I mentioned this before on a podcast, and I'll try to link to the, the article in the description below. But Oliver Connolly had a nice piece last June when Marcus Williams left New Orleans and talking about how the Dennis Allen scheme was so reliant on having, you know, that deep center fielding safety that could allow a Malcolm Jenkins to be as aggressive and be able to make plays because of Marcus Williams's sort of elite range and coverage ability. And when I look at finding that type of player, like I, my eyes automatically go to Jesse Bates because that's basically what he has been uh, in Cincinnati the last couple of years. One of the best, as I mentioned earlier, center fielders in the NFL. And the expectation is Bates will get to the market that, you know, pretty much everybody who's covered the Bengals over the last six months has suggested that Jesse Bates's time in, in Cincinnati is over. 
And then you look at the price tag that it may take to lure him to Atlanta. PFF is projecting his contract at 15 million a year. Spot track is, is putting it at 14 million a year. Uh, I could see it going higher than that because there may be a bidding war for him. And so he's not going to be cheap for the Falcons is what I'll say. And, you know, you look at the top of the safety market, that's like $19 million a year with Derwin James signed last summer. And so there is a scenario where Jesse Bates gets the open market in order for the Falcons or some other team to secure him. They have to basically make him the highest paid safety in the NFL. And that's, you know, a $20 million a year contract. I think that's a plausibility rather than him getting that 15 or $14 million a year. Uh, and so then there's going to, of course, be a question is, is he worth it as a $20 million safety? And, you know, that's up to everybody's uh, you know, thought process. But for me, I, I think he's worth it. Like to me, he's the guy in this free agent class that to me is the Alex Mack type of move going back to that 2016 move where the Falcons need that center to kind of stabilize their offensive line. And Alex Mack was a perfect fit from his time in Cleveland with Kyle Shanahan in Shanahan's offense. And we saw Alex Mack go on to, you know, continue a hall of fame caliber career here in Atlanta. And I feel like Jesse Bates can be that guy here for the Falcons, you know, and we talk about the familiarity that this coaching staff has with players. Jesse Bates makes a ton of sense given that his defensive backs coach in Cincinnati in 2020, 2021, and Steve Jackson is now an assistant here in Atlanta. And while Jackson, you know, technically worked primarily with the corners during that period of time, certainly he's very familiar with Jesse Bates and what he brings to the table. And, you know, Bates's ability to be that elite, you know, safety over the top, allowed the Bengals to kind of get away with not necessarily having elite corners on the outside. And so I think if you're the goal is to find a Marcus Williams type of player, that is the key, according to Oliver Connolly, to unlocking the full potential of this Dennis Allen style defense that we expect the Falcons to have with Ryan Nielsen. I look at Jesse Bates as that must have, right? I don't look at, say, another free agent like Deron Payne, who a lot of people think is that must-have that we have to get in large part due to the fact that I think there isn't that much of a drop-off between Deron Payne and the next best you know, nose tackle available this offseason. In fact, I think you can make the argument that Ron Payne's not the best nose tackle available. That's Javon Hargrave, right? The only difference between Payne and Hargrave is Hargrave's a better player, but he's just, you know, four or five years older. But there's also other good nose tackles that the Falcons could have. Clearly not guys that are the pass rushers that Deron Payne and Hargrave are, but you can find a quality nose tackle like a Puna Ford, a Shy Tuttle, a Dalvin Tomlinson this offseason. And while there are plenty of good safeties available this offseason, I don't know if there's a post safety. There's a deep safety like a Jesse Bates available this offseason. When I look at like the rest of the safety positions, a lot of good guys that can fit in a split safety, uh, you know, too high look defense. Um, but, you know, in terms of a guy that can be that post safety, that can do all the things that you want to, you know, allow Richie Grant to play aggressive, to cover the mistakes for, you know, those uh, corners on the back end. You know, I don't know if there's a, another guy close to Jesse Bates, right? The next best guy, is that Juan Thornhill? Is that Jimmy Ward? I, I feel like that's a bigger drop off from Jesse Bates to that guy than it is from Deron Payne to whoever you think is, you know, second or third on, on that nose tackle list. So when I look at it, I say if there's one must-have free agent that the Falcons need to get this offseason, to me, that is Jesse Bates. He's the guy that gets my vote, right? And, you know, don't take my word for it. Take my good friend, uh, you know, Captain Rogers uh, and his breakdown. This is the fight of our lives. And we're going to win. Whatever it takes. So I say whatever it takes, guys. Right. You know, if it, it, if it takes paying Jesse Bates $20 million a year, whatever it takes, guys, we got to do it. 
right? That's that's basically my mantra heading into this all season. Whatever it takes to get Jesse Bates, we got to do it. So um, we will talk about why getting players of Jesse Bates caliber, as well as other free agents, is going to be the thing that helps, you know, not only unlock the potential of Richie Grant, but also the full potential of this football team this upcoming season, given some people's concerns about the pressure to win this upcoming season, but we'll also wrap up the safety conversation talking about, you know, the potential to add some players in the draft that may not necessarily be starters, but could be a guy to push someone like uh, Eric Harris for a back end roster spot. And we'll get into that as we continue today's episode guys. But I want to tell you about TurboTax where you can go to not do your taxes and you can meet with an expert that will do them for you because TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of filing your taxes and filing so that you can do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Oh, unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes a lullaby and hope not taxes sleeps through the night. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset. With TurboTax, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right, guaranteed, so that you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? So come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax, full service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. So wrapping up today's episode, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the draft and where it figures into the safety position in terms of how I see it. But in terms of the overall vision that I have for the Falcons safety position heading into 2023. Again, I'm imagining a Jesse Bates, whatever it takes and Richie Grant to be our two starters. Jalen Hawkins is your third guy. And the question is going to be, who's that fourth safety? And Eric Harris is an in-house candidate. You already have, he's a free agent. Uh, You know, he's getting up there in age, going to be turning 33 in April, but he adds some quality depth, some veteran experience. We know he's a Terry Fontenot guy because Terry found him in the CFL, brought him to New Orleans, and then brought him from the Raiders here to Atlanta. We know that Eric Harris is a limited player, but embodied that do-your-job mentality back in 2021. And, you know, hopefully you're you're solid enough at safety and otherwhere in the secondary where you won't have to see Eric Harris play a ton in the event of injuries because obviously that means you had multiple injuries at the safety position but you know in terms of having a forward safety with experience that can go out there and, and do a decent job that is comfortable playing split safety looks as he played quite a bit in with the Raiders um you know I, I think you can do a lot worse as that fourth safety than Eric Harris but I certainly think there's a conversation to be had to draft a safety to potentially replace Eric Eric Harris or push Eric Harris, even if you do re- wind up resigning him and, and competing with him for a roster spot for that sort of fourth safety spot and special team spot. And it's similar to a conversation we had a couple of days ago with the linebacker position when I'm doing my mock draft simulators and I'm consistently taking a linebacker in the late rounds to basically be that, you know, fourth qu- linebacker that can play special teams and potentially be groomed to replace a Michael Walker who's entering a contract year as that third linebacker in the future. It's the same conversation at the safety position where, you know, if you're drafting that safety in the late rounds, you know, Jalen Hawkins is uh, entering a contract year this year. And if he walks in free agency next offseason, you you have a ready made replacement for him at that third safety spot. And maybe in the future, you know, if if that guy's good enough, you can develop him and he can be a a halfway decent starter for you uh, down the road. So 
I certainly think it makes a ton of sense for the Falcons to draft a safety this year, probably in the late rounds. But there's also a scenario where the Falcons draft a safety early in the draft. And I think that's probably a scenario where the Falcons don't do whatever it takes to get a Jesse Bates or a comparable player in free agency to be a starter. And that would push them to potentially use an early round pick on a safety. Uh, now, I haven't necessarily done my full homework on this year's safety class and look at some you know prime candidates that could fit that uh you know role in atlanta uh in large part due to my expectations and hopes and dreams that the falcons are going to sign that safety and free agency so i won't necessarily have to so we'll see if you know five or six weeks from now and the falcons don't go out there and make my dreams come true by signing a jesse bates or a comparable player you know if i have to start looking at you know the Brian Branches and the Christopher Smiths and the Antonio Johnsons and whoever else may be, um, you know, available in the first two rounds that the Falcons may have to pull the trigger on in the draft. So uh, I, I do think there's a good chance that we'll draft a safety, but it's probably more likely to be a late round pick. But um, that's owed to wanting to, to see the Falcons, you know, upgrade in free agency. And we'll wrap up today's episode to t- try to briefly discuss why I think, you know, free agency has been the continued theme on this podcast and will continue to be the continued theme on the podcast over the next couple of weeks. Not because, um, you know, the draft doesn't matter or whatever, but I think when you look at what this team's goals are, it's all about, you know, free agency. That's really the primary thing. And some of this conversation stems from, you know, checking out my guys, the new millennium Falcons on their senior bowl recap yesterday where, you know, come for the senior bowl content and then stay for the conversation about, you know, the direction of this team and whether or not it's kind of a make or break season for Arthur Smith uh, and, and this regime. And we've discussed this previously on the podcast, right. I know when we talked about the idea of whether or not, um, you know, it's a playoffs or bust type of, of season for the Falcons entering 2023. I think of it more as a progress or bust type of season. I, you know, um, I don't think there's as much pressure as some people think there is for this regime to have to, you know, make the playoffs in 2023. But I think regardless of whether you think it's a playoffs or bust or a progress and bust and what represents that another seven or eight win season or, you know, them having to get the double digit wins and, and, and making a playoff run, whatever you think it is, I really do believe that free agency is, holds the key for them that this team has to be aggressive at really especially dr- addressing the defense in free agency because, you know, I know a lot of the concern surrounding the team and, and a lot of concern that was expressed by my guys on the new Millennium Falcons is the idea that if, if this is a playoff or bus type of year, can you truly have that confidence that Desmond Ritter is your guy on a playoff team? Because we know that, you know, the better your quarterback is, the higher your probability of making the playoffs. And even though I am, you know, committed to Desmond Ritter, um, I I did not get this at Blue Nile, but, you know, you guys can go check it out at Blue Nile and get, you know, something that isn't made out of aluminum foil, (laughs) a real diamond. Uh, But, you know, um, regardless of whether you think, um, you know, Desmond Ritter is that guy, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Desmond Ritter is going to be a great quarterback. My full expectation for Desmond Ritter in 2023 is that he's going to give you average quarterback play, maybe slightly above average quarterback play. But I for, for, frankly think that's all you really need, given where this team, I think, the direction that they're headed in. Right. And we talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago when breaking down the quarterback conversation and having that, you know, Ritter versus Ryan debate. And I don't say these things to denigrate Matt Ryan, but I just sit here and say, like, I think people live in this, you know, m- mythologized 
view of the path of, of what Matt Ryan's rookie early career was, you know, in large part due to, you know, their memories are his first pass was a touchdown and the Falcons made the playoffs. And so they fill in the blanks suggesting that Matt Ryan was more than what he was as a rookie and what he was, was a game manager. And that's all you're really asking Desmond Ritter to be. Cause when you look at that 08 team, right. You look at, you know, their rankings, the DVOA, they were a top three rushing attack in, in 2008, which was very similar to what the Falcons are probably going to try to be again, in 2023, right? They were 17th in defensive DVOA. The reason why the Falcons made the playoffs in 08 wasn't because Matt Ryan was this superstar quarterback. He was a game manager, a very efficient game manager, but that's all he was, right? They were 19th in passing DVOA, right? Matt Ryan's second career start after that, you know, incredible game against the 0-16 Lions. So when people talk about, you know, Desmond Ritter's only good against uh, backup quality players, what do you think an 0-16 NFL football team is? But you know, Matt Ryan's second start, he started that game 0 for 10, guys, with two interceptions. You know, like, so I, I, I want to make that clear. Again, not to knock Matt Ryan, but it's just like there's this myth about, like, that Matt Ryan was this incredible quarterback that came in and carried the team to the, uh, you know, to the playoffs in his rookie year. He got better as the season wore on. Trust me, don't get me wrong. He definitely got better. But, like, you know, you, you weren't seeing that right out the gates with Matt Ryan. And, you know, that team was 19th and passing DVOA in 2008. And you know what the Falcons were in the four starts that Desmond Ritter started this past year? 19th, right? You know, tied with the Cleveland Browns, you know, that, that team that had the quarterback that was worth three first round picks, 19th, you know, and I, I'll give you two guesses on what the Ravens were in terms of passing DVOA in Lamar Jackson's last four starts this past season. And I'm going to promise you, I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with 19. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad hit, but you know what I'm saying? so like, all you need is Desmond Ritter to be, you know, the 19th best quarterback. And if you have a top three running game and you have a middle of the pack defense, that's good enough guys. That really is. It's good enough, right. To, to, to get you where you want to go. Cause the goal is to build up the team, not to have your quarterback have to come in and carry you to the postseason. Again, ideally you would love to have a quarterback that is, you know, a top five quarterback in this league, but I'm going to sit here and tell you guys that that's probably not, in the cards and that formula of having a game manager quarterback and a top five running game and a middle of the pack defense isn't sexy, but it's a major step forward. And the only way you can take that step forward is in my opinion, through free agency that you're not going to go from a bottom five defense that the Falcons were in DVOA this past year to a middle of the pack defense that can tag team with Tyler Algier and whoever else is involved in the running game uh, to, to the postseason, right? The draft is not going to get you there guys. Cause the draft is a, going to help you two, three years down the road, not in 2023. Some rookies aren't going to be the difference. At, oh, all of a sudden you went from a bottom five defense because you used a couple of, you know, first and second round picks on, on defensive players into, uh, you know, a, a middle of the pack defense, you know, you're, you know, again, I would love to have a rookie class that has that type of impact, but I'm going to sit here and tell you that it's not likely in the cards. And if you're going to make those, that big a jump, to be a playoff contending team, whether it's Desmond Ritter or somebody else, you know, you're going to need free agency to do so. And the vision I have is, you know, you may have a di slightly different vision, right? My vision I have is you go out there, you get a Jesse Bates, right? You get out, uh, go out there and get a line starting caliber linebacker, maybe a Caden Ellis, you know, you get an edge rusher like a Marcus Davenport, you add two interior D linemen, whether that's Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Shai Tuttle, David Onyemata, whoever you pick, just pick any two and you're good to go. You know, you draft that dog of a corner in round one and Devon Weatherspoon and add a couple of other playmakers in the front seven. And then, you know, 
in addition to the growth that you're hoping from Arnold Abikese and Troy Anderson and Richie Grant and all that stuff, right? Like that's a team that to me potentially has a middle of the pack defense that can keep you competitive with a game manager type of quarterback um, and, and potentially get you into the postseason in, in a whack or weak uh, NFC South, right? And then you're hoping that those draft picks and the growth from some of the other recent draft picks, you know, and the growth that those guys show, you know, come 2024, 2025, not only are you going from a middle of the pack defense, but you're going to a, potentially a top 10 defense. And maybe, maybe, you know, if Desmond Ritter continues to to develop at that rate, you know, we get to 2025 and he's entering his contract year. It's a make or break year for him to determine, you know, you have the top 10 defense, you have the top 10 you know, rushing attack that you feel like, okay, we have what it takes to make a deep run in the postseason if we can get the quarterback play. And then now you're putting Desmond Ritter under the scrutiny. Is he that guy? Or, and if he's not, you know, if he is great, if he's not, then, you know, now you're in a position to go out there and, and find yourself, you know, that guy that you can now drop into a, a situation where he's inheriting a top 10 defense. He's inheriting a top 10 offense uh, around him. Uh, and now he just has, you know, he he can be the Patrick Mahomes to Desmond Ritter's Alex Smith or something like that. So I, I think that's the path. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that this is guaranteed success. Right. You know, ultimately, time will tell if this regime is is uh, capable of executing that vision. But I, I see the vision. And so I think this team is on the right path. But I think it starts in March and the focus should be on March rather than in April. Again, the draft is important. It's important for the long-term success, the sustainable success, to continue to build on this team, right, down the, in the road so that, you know, hopefully, you know, this team go can go from an 8-9 win team or whatever they are this year into more than that in the future, and the draft is going to be important for that. But if this team is going to show progress in 2023, whether you think this is a playoffs or bust or a progress or bust type of season – to me, it's all about free agency. So um, that's going to continue to be the theme on this podcast for the next month or so, right? We'll talk about the draft. We'll certainly be talking about the draft on our next episode, which will be a, our first official mock draft Monday following on the heels of the Super Bowl. And we'll do a mock draft Monday, you know, pretty much every Monday between now and the draft, breaking down some of the players that are being projected for the Falcons with that eighth overall draft selection. So we'll talk about it. It'll be also a great opportunity for us to do some mailbag and answer your mailbag questions. So of course, send those in via Twitter or Facebook at locked on Falcons via email locked on Falcons at mail.com. Leave a comment here on the locked on Falcons YouTube channel, or hit us up in our locked on Falcons discord and link in the description below. So we'll talk, continue to talk about the draft. Don't get me wrong guys, but I really have to stress that like, Regardless of where you think the pressure is on or not on this regime, free agency is is the most important thing that this team has to hit, right? If you think there's pressure for them to win and make the playoffs, then you better hope that they come out very aggressive in free agency and and you know get the Jesse Bates and the Deron Paynes and whoever else is on your wish list. By all means, leave a comment telling me who's on your wish list. But you know, even and even if you think it's just, you know, this is a, a year of progress, the progress that you're hoping to see is a big improvement for this defense so that we can finally have, you know, a top 20 caliber type of defense. And you're only going to get that via free agency. So I have to continue to stress, you know, the importance of free agency and, you know, shout out to my guys, new, new millennium Falcons for at least, you know, having the conversation, right? Like that wasn't the point of their conversation, but it allows me that regardless of where you are on that specific conversation in terms of the pressure to win now, like your focus needs to be 
entirely or at least mostly on free agency for the time being. So please let me know, guys, who are who are your whatever it takes must have free agent signings? Is it Deron Payne? Is it Jesse Bates? Is it someone else? By all means, share with me in the comments below. But that's going to do it for us here, guys. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you are you know checking out FanDuel. Download the app for these upcoming Super Bowl uh, and, you know, enjoy the game, guys. You know, go Jalen Hurts, go Patrick Mahomes. You know, I'm not rooting for a specific team. Um, although, you know, I have a friend of mine that's a Chiefs fan, and he basically told me that I'm not allowed to go to a Super Bowl party if, if I'm not going to be rooting for the Chiefs. So I guess technically I have to root for the Chiefs, uh, you know, <laughs> so I don't get punched in the face. Uh, so I will be rooting for the Chiefs, but hoping for a, a great game from Jalen Hurts and company because, again, you know, going back to a conversation we had last week, like the Eagles and Jalen Hurts are kind of the model that you're hoping to build here around Desmond Ritter and all that sort of stuff. But again, you're not going to get the, the the Eagles defense by just drafting it. You got to build that, you know, you need to get the ball rolling in free agency and then you can sustain it via the draft is the point I'm trying to make. So that's going to do it for us here, guys. Really appreciate it. I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the big game. We'll be back on Monday with a mock draft Monday. Looking forward to it until then. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.